I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. When things are unsettled in the world, in your life, when there are difficult and complex issues out there, it's sometimes hard to know where you can look for answers. What about kids? Sonny Drake is an award-winning writer and creator. He works a lot in, in theater. And for his latest project, the Australian-Canadian interviewed over 40 children had over 100 conversations with them about all kinds of things like, you know, uh, climate change and hope. And in his new theater work, Childish, adult actors are voicing what these kids told him. Childish just had its world premiere in Vancouver this weekend. But ahead of that, Sonny Drake spoke to me about the show and what had got him listening to kids in the first place. Here's our conversation. Hi, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, thanks, Tom. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. Thank, thank you for asking. This is such an interesting... Such an interesting idea. Tell me how this whole thing began. Yeah, well, I first got the idea when uh, one day I went over to look after a friend's seven-year-old in Toronto, and I arrived at the house, and this seven-year-old was bawling her eyes out. And, you know, so of course I asked what's wrong, and she told me this really epic story of like heartbreak and betrayal. Like, <laughs> so just that day, she'd asked a boy at school, will you marry me? Wow. And he delivered the blow. No, no, it's not going to happen. We're not going <laughs> Getting married, And I started getting actually quite worried about her because I was watching her just really going through it and being completely crushed. And then I watched a miracle happen before me. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, Tom, but it can take me years and many boxes of cookies um, to get <laughs> over heartbreak. Yeah. But she went, she started doing somersaults and handstands on the couch. And I really wish I'd had a stopwatch. I'm going to guess it probably took her around 90 seconds to move from the depths of heartbreak to giggles. And then that's it. She's over it. Now she's on. Now we were doing the next thing. And I was just sort of going, oh my goodness, I, I need a crash course from kids. Like I got a lot to learn here. You start to realize that the the space between, there's something to be learned from the space between like crushing existential heartbreak to like bl bliss and glee. There really is. And they've got, you know, kids just have this whole array of tools and skills that I was really interested to go, okay, well, what could adults actually learn if we learned how to listen better to kids? So, so you end up interviewing uh, over 40 kids to prepare for this project. Before I get, get into some examples of what you heard, just generally, what was striking you about the conversations you were having with them? I mean, I think um, one of the the biggest things that struck me was, well, firstly, that kids know so much more about the world than what I had thought. And, um, and yet 
I mean, you you sort of spoke in the beginning about, you know, kind of trying to stay optimistic. Like, even though kids knew and had a lot to say about the climate, about mental health, about war, and these are all things that kids were bringing up with me of their own volition. It's not, they weren't, you know, things that I intended to talk with them about. They know a heap about the world, and yet they were more likely to be hopeful, even with that knowing. You said you said you know mental health and and the climate was not part of the list of topics you you sat down with them to to talk about. What 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 were you sitting down to talk with them about? Well, I actually started because of that origin story I mentioned. I I started thinking I want to talk with kids about love right. and friendships and relationships. And so I I kind of had to swallow a bit of like eat a bit of humble pie throughout the piece because I thought, look, I'm the adult theater maker. I'm going to make this show that's really tightly focused around that. And for starters, I mean, you know. Uh, I had to learn how to ask kids questions. Like I thought I was being incredibly brilliant going, oh, oh, I've got the best way to ask kids about love. I'll, I'll say to them, look, if, if an alien came to earth and knew nothing about love, how would you describe to them what love is? And kids then got obsessed with the alien part of the oh, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, well, does it have the 30 legs? Is it purple? <laughs> does it speak in a different language? And I finally had to go, look, okay, fine. Just tell me, Sonny, about love. And then at some so there were all of these different points where kind of I had to learn not only how to ask questions, but also where kids kind of almost started rebelling against the project and going, look, why are you, okay, fine, we talked about love, that's cool, but like, I've actually got a lot of other things to say. I want to talk about, you know, and, and all of these other things. Um, and so I had to shift the framing of the project. Uh, like, give me give me an example of when they started, when these kids <laughs> sort of pivoted to start talking to you about mental health and about, about climate, about some of the things the world is facing right now. Give me an example of some of the some of the stuff you were hearing. Well, okay, so in it, and and this is another observation from the very serious to the very wacky. Okay, so I was having a conversation with a group of kids about the climate, and they were talking about you know some pretty intense stuff. They were like, okay, look, maybe we should start building spaceships to to go to Mars, and you know, but hang on, it it'll take. 10 years to build a spaceship, but we might not have 10 years left on Earth. So, you know, these very kind of quite scary statements coming from kids. And then one kid just sort of looks up into into some dimension that I clearly don't have access to and says, Unicorn, where are you? We're waiting for you to tell us what the future's like. And all the other kids join in and start having a conversation with unicorns. And uh, I'm, I'm... Sorry to say that unicorn, it turns out unicorns actually don't go to the future, so they don't know what the future is. But the good news is what came, um, you know, they heard then the unicorn and passed on to me that the unicorn is in fact hopeful. And I thought, there's so much depth in that. It would be very easy to write that off as like, okay, children are imaginative and not very grounded in, you know, knowledge of the real world. But in fact, I mean, I think that kids are so much more present to the fact that they don't know. Like every day, they are present to the fact that at any moment, they may learn a new piece of information that completely changes Mm. anything from how they tie their shoelaces to their understanding of the world. Whereas I sort of, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, I kind of, I, I feel a little scared saying this out loud in public, but... 
often I am in the last few years really struggling with hope. And I mean, you sort of said it in your intro, like my name is Sunny. I literally grew up with this extremely bubbly and optimistic name. And I've sort of sometimes felt like I have to kind of put on this front Mm -hmm. in public of being hopeful. And sometimes I I really struggle with that. But this project, I was surprised. Uh, One of my big learnings was uh, to be in a practice of hope. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Coming up, more of my conversation with the theater artist, Sonny Drake. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Here's more of my conversation with the theater artist, Sonny Drake. What, what I find really interesting, I find a lot of interesting things about this, but what I find interesting is what you did next. So you could have, like, done a art link later thing here you know got some kids up on the stage and and asked them you know what do you think about you know climate and they'll have some sort of like again very hopeful and sort of cute answer and everyone gets to sigh and, and move on with their lives but what you, what you did was you you took adults and you got the adults to voice these kids words verbatim not not to summarize them all oh, the kids said this but like to, to, to yep. voice them verbatim what happens when you do that I mean, it's such a fascinating experiment. Firstly, to say the important part of this is adults are being adult. They're not pretending to be children. So they're reading the words as adults. And like a couple of really interesting things happen. One, I think that it shifts our listening. And it's also relevant to say here that it's for an adult audience. Um, So it's really using the power of adults who we take way more seriously than kids, using that kind of like actually utilizing that power imbalance and going, what would happen if adults become the megaphones for kids' ideas? And so leaning into that experiment and then the results are often not only a different sort of listening, but there are some moments where this content sounds incredibly resonant and we learn something from that. And then there are other moments where it sounds just so bizarre coming from an adult where it sounds either hysterically funny or gut-punchingly dissonant that we, we learn a lot from all of those things too. It would be really interesting if I could like predict the future. Figure out if climate change kills us all. I think the animals are really mad with us because like the earth is sort of like crumbling. Unicorn, where are you? Tell us what the future's like. A lot of your work seems to have a challenge in it or a question or a name that you're that you're looking at. I mean, I was thinking about your podcast, uh, Climate Change and Other Small Talk, which for people who don't know about it, came out of spending three weeks in the Arctic on a tall ship with 30 artists and, and scientists. I want to talk about that and how it uh, relates to the idea of like art and, and artful expression being an alternative to or a companion to facts and trying to f- uh, try to fix this world of ours. But I wanted to ask a little bit about that experience of being in the tall ship in the Arctic. Like, you know, that's very unique. 
What was that like? Um, what did you get from that? I mean, it was mind-boggling. It is such an incredible part of the world. And, you know, and I, I really, like, I went on the boat thinking, okay, I'm going to write a full-length play on my own out of this experience. I'll see what happens on the boat. But my intention was, you know, to do what I do, write a play. And that uh, idea changed entirely when one day we landed in New Allison, which is the world's uh, northernmost uh, weather and climate research station. And we met these scientists there who are doing really important work with like collecting local data about, you know, the uh, changes in the the environment there, um, weather data, etc. And that gives a really important local picture of climate change. But equally important, they also then combine that data together with hundreds of other weather stations all around the world. And you can't have an understanding of climate change without both that very local and that global. And so from that, uh, that really thinking about that relationship of the local to the global, then I went, huh, what, what would be the equivalent of uh, that in the art world. So that's where I came up with the idea, you know what, I'm going to ask nine different creative teams, nine theatres, nine playwrights, directors, sets of actors from around the world to each create their own very locally specific uh, climate work uh, with some with some par- parameters that I'd given that pulls that together then as a global uh, project. Wait! What? It's just... What? Well... I was just thinking... What? Do we really want to? See? We have tried that before. We try it multiple times a day. It's really overwhelming. The light goes on. And there it all is. It feels impossible to fix it all. It is impossible to fix it all. And then we feel totally helpless. And so the light goes off. And then on. And then off. So, so where does this come from in you? Like this, this idea that, that um, there are issues to be addressed in the world and, and maybe we can actually do it through art. I mean, I think that uh, I really feel strongly that um, we need to make the big conversations irresistible. I mean, I found for myself, um, you know, facts are so important, um, but facts really don't change culture. Stories change culture. The times that I've been moved in my life are often when I'm actually connecting with folks or hearing a story or when it something is humanized or um, rather than when I hear a sort of a, a statistic. And, you know, and for me, that really started in my life. Um, My earlier body of work, you know, I tended to make work um, uh, for and about, um, you know, trans folks and queer folks and my experiences of a a trans person. So I wanted to kind of dig into, um, uh, you know, things that were relevant to trans communities. And as I've gone along in my career, then I've gotten, um, I'm, I'm interested now in uh, using uh, either some form of comedy or satire or absurdity or uh, a, a different kind of way to make um, difficult things irresistible to a broader audience. Does that work on you too? Like um, the the experience of taking these kids, um, very very sweet and very and very hopeful and very I'll say uncynical answers to the challenges in the world that we have right now. Does that help you? Like, do do you find yourself, you just said you've been struggling with hope a little bit. I mean, I think we all have. Has this helped you find it? 
I mean, absolutely. And and I think that's something about um, the embodied um, practice as well of, of, um, of really practicing some of these tools of presence and play and just to shift. Like now I literally in my everyday life when I've been have moments of feeling uh, unhopeful, I've, I've literally a number of times just looked up to the universe and gone, well, the unicorn is hopeful. <laughs> and that reminds me and grounds me, like I was saying earlier, in the fact that there are so many possibilities that I don't know. So, you know, it it uh, it grounds me in a practice then of being open to, I don't know what's going to happen. And so therefore, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, doing my part. Sunny, uh, what a what a amazing story. Thanks so much for making the time and talking to us today. Yeah, it's been absolutely lovely chatting with you. That was the award-winning Australian-Canadian writer, creator, and performer, Sonny Drake. Sonny's latest project, Childish, in which adults voice the words of children on a range of different topics, just had its world premiere in Vancouver this weekend. The theater work is running at the Pacific Theater there until March 9th. Go go check that out. I wish I was in Vancouver right now. It's probably a little little warmer. Uh, The other, I got to tell you, the other, oh, apparently it's really warm in Toronto today. I don't know. I I went from my house to my car. It's not great. Not great in terms of keeping the world cool. Anyway, point being, uh, the other uh, episode we have up today is my conversation with Zach Woods. Very interesting. Um, One of the things we talk about is when I started on this show, uh, I kind of did an impression of what I thought a public radio host should sound like. Like the first two years of Q, I'm kind of talking like this. I'm just a little bit like this. And he did a show parodying, um, (laughs) actually, he did a show parodying public radio hosts their voices and the fact that they talk about themselves an awful lot, which, you know, I just did. Anyway, Zach Woods, really interesting show about public radio, about making fun of the things that you love, and what it was like to show up on The Office when it was already this runaway success. We'll see you soon, later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.